Let's look tonight in Revelation chapter 2 and um, verse number 1 and uh, ask you to pray for us tonight. Lord, help us. And um, I believe these seven letters uh, that were written uh, to these seven churches, um, you know, there were more than seven churches in the world when these letters were written. But these were the seven churches that Jesus wanted John to specifically write to. And I believe there was a reason in that. I don't believe that uh, the Lord just pulled a, a name out of the hat and said, all right, write to Ephesus, and then pulled another one out and said, write to Thyatira. No, I believe he's, he wrote these letters to these seven churches for a reason. And uh, I'm gonna, uh, we'll uh, talk about that here in just a minute. Verse number one, the Bible says this. Uh, you've been sitting for a little while. Why don't you stand tonight if you're able and willing out of respect to the Word of God. The Bible says, Under the angel of the church at Ephesus, Write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not and hast found them liars. And hast borne and hast patience and for my name's sake hast labored and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove the candlestick out of his place except thou repent. But this thou hast that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans. He didn't say he hated them. They hated the deeds of the Nicolaitans which I also hate. He that hath an ear, to let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Father, I pray tonight you would help me. And Lord, as I've read, Lord, today and this week about this church at Ephesus, Lord, it's sobered my heart, Lord, it's put fear in me. Because I don't want to be this type of a believer. Lord, I don't want to be in a church that's like the church at Ephesus. And I pray tonight, Lord, we're living in such a dark time spiritually. I pray tonight that we'd all hear the warning that you sent out to this church many years ago. And I pray, Lord, that we had treated as if you had written it to us. Lord, instead of the church at Ephesus, Lord, I pray that we would treat this as the letter that was to the church at Unity Baptist Church. Help us take it to heart tonight. I pray if there's one here tonight not saved, I pray you convict them, Lord, and help them get saved before they leave tonight. I thank you for the moving of the Spirit of God that I sense here tonight already. Lord, but now I pray you'd move again upon the Word of God as it's preached and as it goes forth. We love you tonight, Lord. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. I want to give you this before we get into this uh, tonight, this particular church, but... All, three, all seven of these um, letters that we're about to read, that I believe there's three primary reasons uh, for these letters. Uh, and, and I want to give you this, and it, maybe it'll help you as we study them. The first thing is there is a primary association. 
the, 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 there's no doubt that the original, I mean, when this, this was written to seven literal churches, you get into a lot of false doctrine when you start trying to make things spirit, spiritualize things that are intended to be taken literal and you try to literalize things that are meant to be taken spiritual. And that's caused a lot of confusion. There's a lot of people that take things out of the Word of God that are figurative, that are, that are, that are allegorical, if you would, that are parabolic, that, that are illustrating some truth, and they take them literally, and, and, and they try to apply them literally, and they create all types of false doctrine because of it. I grew up in North Georgia, in the and I thank God for where I grew up, how I was raised, and, and, and the preachers I was raised under, and, the, and, the, and, the, and that atmosphere. But, the, but I heard a lot of preaching, and they'd take a parable, uh, and they would start taking every little detail, and, 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 and you know, and, uh, and they'd say things like, well, you know, when a, when a, you know, about being born again, they said, well, I've never heard a baby born that didn't cry, and if you're not crying, and they'd talk about them travailing pains, and how it takes takes nine and a half months and the person ain't just going to come in and get saved and, and all that. And, and you know what they were doing? And I'm not being critical because I know I wouldn't be here tonight if it wasn't for those men of God, but they were teaching false doctrine. So there is a primary association. You say, what is this? Why, why, what, what's this got to do? I want you to understand this. When the Lord, remember, remember, what we said, this whole book can be summed up in chapter 1. The things which were, the things which are, and the things which shall be. And in these churches, now listen, I believe that when we study these seven churches, not only were they literal churches, but I think there is a prophetic aspect too. That, 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 that only, not only were these seven types of churches present then, but I believe there's been these types of churches throughout the church age. And not only that, if you follow this, these seven churches, you get down to that last church, the church at Laodicea. And I believe that is, is picture, it, it, it's, it's typical of the spirit of the church in the day in which we live. So there is a primary association. There is a prophetic anticipation. But there is also this. There is a personal application. Every one of these, it says this. He, not they... But he that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. You see tonight, I believe that uh, all of us need to understand when we study these seven churches that we don't just think of it broadly and, and, and generally speaking to a group of people. Uh, you know, a lot of people, they'll hide within a church and, and, and they'll hide behind the church. They'll say, I'm a member of that church and that's a good church and they believe right and they do right and, and, and they think that they can hide behind the reputation of their church and the testimony of their church. But the truth of the matter is, uh, individually speaking, did you know you can have a Philadelphia church but have Laodicea members? in that church I believe that you can even say that all seven of these types of churches you can find people with that attitude within each church and so I want to look tonight and I want you to look at verse number 4 tonight we're looking at the church at Ephesus and the Bible says in verse 4 nevertheless I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love and, and, and tonight, I'm going to preach on loveless Baptist church. This church, at one time, had loved much. 
At one time, this church, well, I mean, this church, if you'll study the book of Acts, you'll find that there was never a better church than this church. This church, because it, Ephesus, the city of Ephesus was a, a, a port city. In fact, where John was writing this from was just about 15 miles from this church out in the Aegean Sea. And he's writing to this church. And at one time, this church had been responsible for evangelizing the entire area of Asia Minor. The Bible says that everyone in that area heard the word of the Lord. And but brother David, in just a short time, in just a few years, it didn't take long. They had gone from being this vibrant, uh, alive church that was growing and was moving and was uh, was was shaking the world to now. He says, "You've left your first love, loveless Baptist church." I'm afraid tonight that 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 if we're not careful, we could become like the church at Ephesus. We can do everything that we're supposed to do and we can, we can, we can meet everybody's criteria for what a church should be. We can have all of our doctrine right and our, and our, and, and the constitution right and the bylaws and all that can be right and be decent and in order. We can have business meetings the way it's supposed to be had and go through all of that. And not, if we don't have our love for the Lord and our love for people, then we're nothing. We're, 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 we're not satisfied, pleasing God with what we do. Loveless Baptist Church. The world today is full of these types of churches. If you walked in, you would admire the building. They said the church of Ephesus had a magnificent place where they met. If you study, and it's, of Ephesus was a, they had a temple there to the goddess Diana. And, and, and it was a wicked city. I mean, it was a vile place. I mean, it was a, that worship of that goddess was, it was immoral. I'm just going to put it that way. And, uh, and, uh, and, and God had seen fit to start a church there under the preaching of the apostle Paul. And, and, and they got off to a good start. But now, now they had the big buildings. They had the, they had the membership. They had the name. They were a well-known church up throughout Asia Minor. There were many other churches that had started out of this church. But now they were become a church without love. Love for God and love for others. Loveless Baptist Church. I want you to see this, and I'm going to hurry tonight. I want you to see the devoted labor of this church. The devoted labor of the church. They had a distinguished past. And you see in verse 2 how Jesus was rejoicing over this church. Now I want to say what we're about to read. This, he's not rebuking them. He's commending them for this. This is not bad what they were doing. This was not bad. He says this in verse 2, I know thy works and thy labor. You see, first of all tonight, that they were, they were fervent in duty. They were fervent in duty. He said, I know thy works and thy labor. You know, duty is something that we know little of in the times that we live. Uh, you know, my grandparents, they knew about duty. That's why, uh, that's why they went to World War II and fought because they felt it was their duty to go to war and fight. Uh, that's why they went to Vietnam uh, and went to the jungles and fought because they felt it was their duty. Uh, and that's why the mamas uh, stayed home and held the family together uh, while Daddy was at war because that was their duty to do. Uh, listen, but in this world that we're living in, uh, people, they just don't want much duty. They don't want much responsibility. He said, I know thy works 
in thy labor. Uh, they were fervent in duty. I mean, listen, they went to church on Sunday and they labored every other day of the week. That word labor, it means this. It means the idea of toil to the point of exhaustion. Have you ever worked till you were exhausted? Have you ever got to that point where your hands started cramping and your toes started cramping? Have you ever had your eyelids start twitching? You got so, I'm serious. It's awful. <laughs> he said they have absolutely worked until they can't work no more. They were a laboring church. Brother David, if you showed up at work day, I mean, you better get there early and you better know what, because there's going to be people there. There's going to be sweeping the floors and wiping the blinds. And, and, I mean, they were there. They were a working church. If they needed something done, they'd do it. I mean, listen, they were fervent. They were fervent in their duty, but Jesus still said, I have something against you. The devoted labor of the church. You know what's amazing? We'll preach salvation by grace through faith. But then we'll teach that after you're saved that you please God by what you do. That you know that that's... Boy, this is going to make... Boy, I don't want Facebook Live. I'm probably going to get a lot, a lot of cross eyes on there. I don't know if they may give me some of them red angry faces on there. But I'm telling you, you're saved by grace and you're sanctified by grace. Listen to me. Listen, they, listen, it's amazing how confused, it's no wonder how confused people are because we'll preach that God, He loves you unconditionally. He saves you by grace through faith. But then we'll preach that if God, you want God to like you more, if you want God to, then you're going to have to do this and do this and do this. And if you don't do that, then you're not, you don't love you as much as He does me. And if you don't do this, and this church had gotten to the point, they labor, they labor, but Jesus said, I've got something against you. I'm talking about loveless Baptist church now. They were fervent in duty. But verse 2, it says, Thy patience, they were faithful in difficulty. The word patience, it means endurance under trial. If you study Acts chapter 18, verse 20, this church, uh, Acts chapter 18, verse chapter number 20, you'll find that in the early days of this church, they faced some strong opposition. They didn't like this church because when the people that got saved in this church, they went home, you know what they done? They burnt their witchcraft books. And they got mad. Them ones that were peddling that false religion got mad because they'd lost their, their, their profits off of these people. They weren't going to come back and buy them books no more. They weren't going to come. And I still believe when you get saved, I mean real, born again, Bible salvation, it'll change you. And, and I believe you won't want to go back and won't want to you, you won't want. I believe the I believe when a man gets saved, God can dry him up, he can clean him up, he can straighten him up, and it happened, and they fought, they faced strong, they found they faced strong opposition there. That's where Alexander the coppersmith withstood Paul to the face. And Paul said at the first accusation, no man stood with me, notwithstanding. The Lord stood with me and strengthened me. Amen. And listen, they, but they were faithful. They were faithful through all that difficulty. I've told this here before, but I'll tell it again. One of my pastors when I was a child, his name was Preston Moore, and there was three of them brothers. There was Jim Moore, there was Preston Moore, and there was Talbert Moore. And they all grew up and were preachers. They was raised by a bootlegger. The bootlegger got saved, though. And it's amazing that the bootlegger, that's the thing, they just used to go through a drive-thru now and buy whiskey. But anyhow, that's when there was bootleggers and and. And them boys was wild. They grew up in the country. And, and they said that, brother, I've heard Brother uh, Preston t tell this story uh, many times. He said they was little boys and they got them a wagon, one of them old Red Rider wagons. 
And he said all three of them boys got in that one. They, got, they found the tallest hill they could find. And they got in that wagon. And he said that uh, <laughs> Jim was the youngest and then it was Preston and, and uh, uh, Talbert. And uh, he said that he got in the back and Jim got in the front. And, 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 uh, uh, and Pres- brother, brother Preston was in the middle. And, and Jim had that little, little hand on his hand. And, he, and, and Brother Talbert said he got back and he got a run and he jumped in that wagon. And they took off down that hill. And he said, the, he said he'd never felt gravity like he felt it that day. And it got going faster and faster. He said, he said they thought they broke the sound barrier a time or two. And when they, but what they forgot to do, they forgot to go to the bottom of the hill before they got in the wagon to see what was at the bottom of the hill. And he said down at the bottom of that hill was the biggest blackberry patch you'd ever seen in your life. And he said, them little boys, he said that, that he had done, he locked his legs onto the wagon. He was locked in. And he said they started into that, bright, that black, blackberry patch. And he said, oh, brother Jim jumped off one way and, 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 and uh, uh, brother Preston jumped off the other. And he said, I wasn't going to let go. He said, I just held on. He said, I went from one side of that blackberry patch to the other. He said, it ripped every piece of hide off of me. He said, my overalls was ripped. My shirt was ripped. He said, I had blood running out of me. He said, they was in my hands. And in my arm. He said, I went running around uh, uh, on the other side and he said Jim and Preston were laughing at me. He said, I looked at them and said, hey boys, he said, we find out who really wants to ride the wagon when we hit the briar patch. Amen. And you know in the church you find out when the church goes, right now I thank God uh, that we've had some good times and good seasons where God's blessed and God's added and God's multiplied but you can mark it down there's trouble coming and Jesus said they were faithful in difficulty. Their patience. Verse 2 it says this Thou canst not bear them which are evil and thou hast tried them which say they're apostles or not and found them liars. Look in verse 6 but this thou hast that thou hatest the deeds of Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Not only were they fervent in duty and faithful in difficulty, but they were firm in doctrine. They wouldn't tolerate false preaching and false teaching. There were some men that showed up. These Nicolaitans, you know what that word means? To conquer the people. And, and brother David, this is really the seeds of Roman Catholicism. They were the, the Latian, Latian, laity. That's where that word comes from. It's one of those words in Nicolation, Latian, laity. The Nicolations come in there and started teaching that the preachers were a special group and the deacons were a special group and, and the peasant people in the church, they were another group. And, and you know what they said at Ephesus? They said, y'all might believe that, but you're going to have to believe it somewhere else because you're, and by the way, Jesus wasn't reproving them for this. He was commending them. He said, I also hate what they're doing. Amen. I want to say this. There are some things Jesus hates and false doctrine is one of them. We are, listen, God's not called His church to be a, just a hodgepodge of different teaching. And well, we're just going to let them grow and learn. And, 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 uh, and, and if they say something that we're just going to accept all types of thinking and, and ideology. And, and, and you know, we're going to have different types of preachers that believe different types of things. So we, we want to grow. And, and I've heard all types of excuses for that. I'm talking about this, 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 this mixed melting pot of religion where they want to bring in all this error and all this false teaching, I want to say they wouldn't let it go on at Ephesus and we ought not to let it go on here. But mind you, you can cross every T and dot every I and be as fundamentally sound in the Word of God as a church can be and still be deader than a hammer and have not the power or the touch of God. He said, I still have somewhat against thee. They were firm in doctrine. 
Verse 3, And hast borne and hast patience, and for my name's sake hast labored and hast not fainted. fainted. They were full in their devotion. They had, cont- they had carried the load and had continued their labor despite opposition both within and without the church. Listen to me, I'm not downplaying. I believe we ought to be fully devoted. I believe we ought to be firm in doctrine. I believe we ought to be, I believe we ought to be faithful in difficulty. I believe that. I believe we ought to be fervent in our duty. I believe we ought to work, labor, and, 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 and press. But I want you to know, if we get to the place where we think that that's what makes God bless our church, then we'll end up just like they were. And listen, we don't have to forsake the one for the other. Do you know that your labor will be better? That your faithfulness will be better? That your, that your, 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 your convictions will be stronger? That everything you do will be better if it's done from a heart of love? The devoted labor of the church, the distinguished past. I want you to see this. The dying love of this church. There was a disturbing problem. You see in verse 4, Jesus is reproving this church. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee. There's a lot of people who have things against us in this world. But oh, what a mess we're in when Jesus said, I've got something against you. I've got something against you. I want you to notice this, their move that was deliberate. He says, thou hast left. This, he, this was a deliberate move. I mean, they, 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 they left it. They left it. It not only was it a, 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 a deliberate mood. I wrote this down. A deliberate mood. Some people can get so busy in the work of the Lord that they neglect the Lord of the work. This church, they had dedication, dedication. They had separation. They, I mean, they even had, they had per, they was working, per, but they didn't have adoration. They fell out of love with Jesus Christ. And if they were to look around, they couldn't blame it on the wicked city they were living in. Jesus didn't say, I have someone against Ephesus, or I have someone against the temple of Diana, or I have something against the false prophets, or I have someone against the... He said, I have someone against thee. He said, because you left your first love. Now, if we leave our first love, we can't place the blame on our spouse. We can't blame it on our church. You can't blame it on your preacher. It's your responsibility. To keep that love fresh and to keep it going. Their move that was their mode that was dangerous. This is a dangerous mode to be in. You know, it's just like a husband and wife. If you let that love smolder out, it's dangerous. And if you fall out of love with the Lord, it's dangerous. Because you know what? You're very susceptible to temptation. And because, because their heart was no longer on fire for the Lord, no longer, they were in a very, very dangerous place to be. Oh, listen tonight, I don't want to get to that place in my life where Jesus is not the love of my heart and He's not the apple of my eye and He is not the reason of my being. I don't want to get there. Why? Because it's a dangerous, dangerous place to be. Right. More churches, listen to me, have been destroyed by leaving their first love than anything else. Brother David, false doctrine didn't get them. Laziness didn't get them. They're, uh, uh, you know, those, those people that come in, they didn't get them, but you know what got them? Lost their first love. Their motive that was dissolved. Without that love, they had begun to do what they did for other reasons than love. 
Listen to me, you can serve the Lord with other motives than love, but you cannot serve Him well, and you will not serve Him long. You see the dying love of this church. Have you ever seen a couple that you saw they got married and boy they were just in love and I mean they just and and and, and being a pastor I'm not necessarily here but just I've seen it happen I've seen people and that I had someone call me not long ago he called me just broken heart his wife's left him and he don't know what to do and now of course he's trying and I commended him for trying to get right with God but I just thought man if you just got right with God before it fell apart. And it's, it's sad to see a man and a woman that at one time, when they looked at each other, their eyes uh, sparkled in there. I mean, you could see it, and they, and they, and they, and I mean, listen, I'm not saying, I'm, anyhow, I'm be careful what I say, we're on Facebook Live. But all I'm saying is, uh, I want to, I want to stay in love with my wife. I want to, I, I mean, listen, I want, I want my heart to continue to burn for her, and, and I want her heart to burn for me. And if that stops, we're in trouble as a husband and wife. And I don't care how long you've served the Lord, how faithful you've been to this church, if you lose that love and that love for the Lord, and I mean that love for Him and that desire to please Him. And listen, if these songs become just a noise to you, if, if, if all this just becomes another day in the week and it means nothing to you, and the Bible becomes nothing but a bunch of pages with ink on them, then you're in a dangerous place as well. The dying love of this church... I want you to see this, and I'm done. I want you to see the devastating loss of this church. It was a definite possibility. Look at verse 5. Remember from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do thy first works. Here it is, or else. You ever have mom or daddy say that to you? You clean up that room, or else. Or else. And you know, when the Lord says that, He ain't bluffing. He ain't bluffing. And oh, listen, he wrote this letter. And can you imagine? Can you imagine as they read this in the church at Ephesus? I mean, listen, I don't, I, I wasn't there, but I can imagine you could have heard a pin drop. I, I mean, listen, and I want to say tonight, I'm reading the same letter to you tonight. That there is the, there is the possibility that bad things could happen to us if we become loveless Baptist church. He advised them in verse 5. He advised them. It says this, Remember from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works. He advised them. He says, Consider your fall. He says, Thou art fallen. There's a lot of churches don't want to admit they've fallen. They want to act like everything's fine. Oh, this is okay. Uh, you know, and, I, and you see it now. They want to blame the times that we live in and the culture that we're in. Listen, he said, you must consider where you are and how far you've fallen. Confess their fate. He said, repent. Repent. Many people don't ever get right with the Lord because they don't want to confess their fate. He said, do the first works. Do the first works. Do the first works. I'm all about trying to be creative. And I, I mean, listen, I'm not against new ideas and new, you know, as far as our methods go, we're not changing those methods. Preaching and teaching the Word of God, 
But the means that we use, by all means, that's what means are anyway. I, but we're using technology now as much as I hate it. We're, 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 I mean, we're going to try. I mean, I'm not against that. I know some, that, you know, they'll, they'll, anyway, I'm not going to get into all that. But all I'm saying is you can come up with the most creative ideas you can come up with. You can have the best programs there's ever been. He says, but what you need to do, he said, you need to go back to the it was when you was meeting in the storefront down in Ephesus. You need to go back to what you did when there wasn't a building paid for and there weren't padded pews and you weren't famous and nobody who knew you were and you gathered daily and in your heart the word of God grew and you were mightily among you and you were people and you saw people say he said go back and do what you did at the beginning he advised them but then he admonished them he said or else I'll come I'll come and here it is and they quickly you know a church can come from being a great church to being this type of church just like that. And you want to know how it happens? Just one member at a time. Now, we've all known of churches that had the candlestick removed. The love and the light and the warmth was gone. You know, Brother Chad, the same man that wrote this did you know this? This church had three of the greatest pastors there's ever been. Paul, well, you can argue, but he spent over three years there. Call it what you want. I know he's evangelist, but he did more preaching there than he did anywhere else. Paul, Timothy, and the Apostle John. What's one of the key words in the book of 1 John that he kept saying over and over and over again? Love. Love. I believe old John, when he got off the Isle of Patmos and he took that church and began, he saw the thing. And I believe when he wrote that letter, every time God would tell him to write love, he would, where he said God is love. And, and, and over in that word love, he thought about them people. He thought about that church. And let me say this tonight. It doesn't matter what the bank account looks like. It doesn't matter what the facilities are. It doesn't matter how many's on the roll, how many's in the pews. It doesn't matter how big the offerings are. If the candlestick's gone, the church is done I don't want to lose that to you I want my children to come to a church where the candlestick's there and the light's there and the warmth's there and the fire's there and the power's there and when they, they know if I'm the, my kids are not perfect and they're not going to always live right I pray to God that they don't ever get out in the world and break my heart but brother David I, if they do and I want them to know if they come here the fire of God will be here and they can get right with God We ought to be more afraid of losing the candlestick than anything else. But then he assured them in verse 7, He that hath an ear, he goes from addressing the church corporately to the Christians individually. Now here's the comfort. Here's the assurance. I'm not, I can't get into this. Basically what he's saying is, if the church won't get right, you can each get, you can get right. And I'll bless you individually. History tells us that after they received this letter from John, that they had a revival for a short while. But later it lapsed again. And they said by the Middle Ages, this church's testimony was gone. It, it ceased to exist. I, I read this 
And, and, and one man said this, an ancient historian. He said that, <clears throat> that a, one traveler in that time tells about visiting Ephesus. And he said he found only three Christians there and that they had sunken in such ignorance and apathy that they, that they had scarcely heard the names of Paul or Peter. I'm talking about a church that one time was the greatest church in that known world. Become nothing. Not because, not because they didn't work hard. Not because they didn't stand for what was right and stand against what was wrong. Not because they, it wasn't because, you know what it was? They left their first love. Do you remember, and I'm done, do you remember when you fell in love with Jesus Christ? Romans 5, 5 says that the love of God is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. Don't ask you something tonight. We're going to give an invitation. Do you love Him tonight as much or more than you did then? Do you remember when you come to church and you were just anticipating? And, and, and by the way, I don't want to say you. I'm talking to me too. Do, 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 is, it, is it just as fresh... And by the way, I believe it can be better. I believe it can be better. Brother Larry's not home now. He's, he's being careful about driving at night. But, but, but the sweet, some of the sweetest things I've ever heard from a man's lips about was from Brother Larry. And, and he said, he said, I love, when he spoke of Miss Diane, he said, I loved her more at the end of our marriage than I did at the beginning. And I believe it can be the same for our walk with God that we can love Him more and more. And not just but as a church, we should want to love Him more and more and more. And you know, if we'll love Him and we'll serve Him and we'll, be, and we'll stay on fire for Him, He'll leave the candlestick here. And you know what that candlestick will do? It'll draw people that'll, that are in darkness. They'll see that light and they'll say, I want to go. I want to hear. And listen, we can enjoy the blessings of being in a church where God is and His presence is real. But you let me and you let us drift from that love, then what we see going on right now will just be a memory. And we'll be the ones talking about what it used to be and how good it was. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be there. Do you?